Hello, welcome back to Mariana Thinks Food. I haven't recorded in a while due to some life changes. I'm not going to say anything about that, but all good things. I wanted to dedicate this podcast to all the people that have been asking me where I have been. And to be quite honest, I've just been reading everything I can put my hands on. And today's podcast is going to be a little bit philosophical, but nevertheless, the topic, as always, is food. Food. What about it? What else can I say? But food is so much. It's order and chaos, balance and a mess, clean and dirty at the same time. Food is cross-disciplinary. Food is never just food. It can be encompassed by tradition, by emotions, by culture, by the country you're in, the time of the day, the state of happiness you're in. Whether you're active or sedentary, whether you're in a war-torn country or at peace, in the middle of the equator or in one of the poles, food and its surroundings are connected. Now I want to focus on why food is necessary and important. So usually we have things that are necessary or important. And in the case of food, it is both necessary and important and they feed each other. No pun intended. Food is necessary, therefore it is important. Its necessity makes it important. And its importance makes it an everyday necessity. That is what four books and three months of reading has gotten me to. This importance and necessity combination makes food extremely powerful. It not only determines how we live our lives, but also how the world is shaped. Food shapes our cities, our migration patterns, our landscapes. It determines how we start our day and how we end it. Not only in what we eat, but how we feel. By now, hopefully I've convinced you that food is both necessary and important. We need to plan for the future. We are the current custodians of this planet Earth. And I tell you, we do not have the right to ruin it. We're just here temporarily. We are neither the first ones here, nor will we be the last. We must reconsider our priorities. And remember, where there is no food, there is no life. The destruction of food sources has been used in combat for centuries. Destroying ports, food banks, access to roads and transport have been the tactics of choice of rebels for eternity. Food has also been used to persuade people and to manipulate the masses. Yet, food is still being used as a tool today. It wasn't just the Roman times where people were given a show and some bread. Now we have something similar. It's called subsidies. And we don't have them in our minds every day. But let me tell you, we're taking advantage of them. And it's actually helping destroy our planet. In the U.S. alone... Corn subsidies are astronomical. I'm not saying we shouldn't support farmers, because we should. 
But supporting a specific crop that makes it so that companies have cheaper sugar shouldn't necessarily be where U.S. taxpayer money should be going. Ever wonder why so many foods have high fructose corn syrup? Well, it's so cheap to produce that companies actually decided to switch to high fructose corn syrup instead of sugarcane. It's cheaper, therefore they make more money. Because don't think for a second that those savings, quote unquote, are passed on to the consumer. Because giving you cheaper sugar is going to cost you more in the long run. Whatever happened to having desserts and sugary treats be just that, a treat, a one-off occasion where you can enjoy something delicious in the company of your friends or family. It has become an everyday food when it shouldn't be. Vegetables, on the other hand, if you have listened to all of my podcasts, you will know. You know, unsung hero, the zucchini, included in every meal. You'll be fine. But I digress as per usual. We go back to food and the system. If single crops like corn are subsidized, then we're not looking at the overall food system. We're looking at one specific food source. Imagine eating the same thing every day for every meal. One, you would get tired of it. Two, you would probably get sick. And three, you most definitely will feel ill after a few days because you're missing a ton of nutrients that you're not getting from that one food. Imagine that, but for soil. You plant one thing on the same soil year after year. You will deplete all the nutrients in that soil and you will create a desert. If you ever read Grapes of Wrath, like I had to do in middle school, you will know that mass deserts where there used to be farmland, it's not very good for people who live in that area. They eventually had to migrate to California and to different areas, and you lose your home. That's not good. This has been happening in history. Not only in the U.S., but it's happened in the Fertile Crescent, which is where modern-day Middle East is. These areas were once filled with nutrient-rich soil, with a diversity of crops. But somehow, in wanting to be efficient and modern, countries have adopted this whole one-crop mentality. Year after year, People become experts in this one crop, yet they forget that the soil is not that adaptable. You actually have to put more stuff in the soil, more fertilizers, more nutrients, artificial, everything. Not saying that the invention of ammonia has not made it so that we're all here today because population actually increased after that invention. But I'm just saying, now we're consuming a ton of stuff that isn't necessarily quote-unquote natural stuff. Somehow, we know that food is necessary for survival. But this whole importance factor, the importance of the quality of food specifically, has been a bit forgotten. It is true that peace and abundance of cheap food go together. 
We have been living in the longest period of peace in the Western world in what I think is the entire existence of our species. I'm being a bit melodramatic and obviously focusing on the West because there are things happening in the Middle East and other areas of the world that I do not want to say that I'm ignoring, but for the sake of this podcast and the people listening, be mindful. This combination of peace and abundance of food, although ideal for our lives on Earth and our everyday development, it comes at a price. It has caused nations to forget about the importance of sustainable food production and subsistence. No longer can countries feed themselves. They always depend on the quote-unquote other to fulfill its needs. But what will happen if there is no other? If transportation or some sort of natural disaster impedes your access to food? What will happen then to these countries? If you're wondering... If you live in a country that might be at risk of not having food at some point, just go to the grocery store. Look at the labels. Where does the food come from? Is it far or near? In your same union, do you have to take a boat, a plane, a train, a truck? Do you need fuel or humans to move it from A to B? Does your food require processing or bagging or filtering or cleaning, fermenting, cooking, cutting, anything? If all of these questions come up with an answer of, yes, it requires some sort of processing, some sort of transport to get to me, well, I don't mean to put you in a doomsday mode, but hey, you're at risk of one day not being able to have access to food, like many people experience in the non-Western world. This past year has been quite interesting. We have had countries close their borders to each other, protect themselves above others, hoard vaccines and masks, and keep information secret. Imagine if our food supply were at risk. Imagine if people forgot how to farm and we actually needed to grow our own food. Or our soil didn't have the nutrients necessary to generate life for us to consume. I really do hope that we don't get to see a fatalistic future. But unless everyone starts considering food as necessary and important, and the quality of it as necessary and important, we're just putting ourselves at risk for a future of no food. And I repeat, where there is no food, there is no life. What can you do to make the world change for the better? To adapt your daily activities, to promote the importance of this hugely necessary part of our lives? Well, one, first thing you can do is start trying to be healthy. And by healthy, I mean eat some vegetables. Where should you source your vegetables? That's up to you. As long as you're eating vegetables, they don't have to be organic or biodynamic or have a label that says non-GMO because most likely that vegetable is non-GMO unless you're eating corn or soy. Start by promoting other crops that are not processed wheat, soy, and corn. Then people will have to adapt and farmers will be 
encouraged to actually supply something that is not a cash crop. That they will not need to produce corn for animal feed and for sodas and cookies and packaged bread and cereal, etc., etc. Try to make a system where people actually spend money on the things that are healthy, which are vegetables, legumes, grains, and in moderation, meats, animal or plant. I've been seeing also in the interwebs of the world and on in listening to podcasts and reading about how people are saying to offset our carbon emissions, we need to stop having kids and stop flying and stop doing all these things that, to be honest, stopping flying, I, maybe it's possible. You can travel by train or by car, ideally electric. But this recommendation that people stop having kids for me, is quite surprising because our only real biological reason for being on this earth is to procreate. And the same way that it's crazy to have GMO seeds that don't reproduce, and that's a little weird in the science world, it's pretty weird for a species to decide to actively not reproduce. Yes, we will be 9 billion people in the future if we continue reproducing at the rate we're reproducing. If we control the number of kids that we have, then yes, we will be fewer. But to be honest, I think the solution to our problems is more about focusing on reducing waste, becoming healthier individuals, and making sure our planet doesn't die. That giving you the tip of like, hey, don't have kids, educated person who is listening to a podcast, probably on their way back from work. Not necessarily the best tip ever, but that's just me. What you can do is make sure that whatever human you put into this world actually learns how to work the land, has respect over nature, has admiration for the fact that we have been inhabiting this earth for thousands and thousands of years and somehow in the past 100 years we've managed to get the world to heat up to a point that we don't know how long the countries in the middle of the world will have water that's not great because water as with food are connected very necessary and important we need it for survival once people don't have enough water to create food, to irrigate their land, to just consume because you need it, hydration is good, then we will have people migrate to areas with water. There will be denser areas in the world, then there will be shortages of food, chaos, and where there's shortage of food and there is chaos, it's not happy times, people. No one wants that. If there's anything I want you to take away from my philosophical rant is that you need to make sure that whatever you are buying on a day-to-day basis is actually good for you, and if not, stop buying it. I'm not saying everyone needs to be super Puritan about this and super strict because, hey, we're human, and by sheer definition, we are flawed and not perfect. It's what makes us interesting and have weird emotions. But what I am saying is that You shouldn't be buying food solely on price. You should be buying food on nutrient density, 
on how it's sourced and where it's coming from. If you buy foods that are locally produced, they're probably healthier for you and you're helping your local economy. If you help your local economy, you will make it so that if at one point in our lives or in the following generation's lives, there was some sort of shortage or there's some sort of conflict where food from far away cannot come to them, they will actually have a source of food. They might not have the greatest variety, won't get papayas from the tropics or avocados from Peru, but you'll be able to survive. And that is pretty sweet. And with that optimistic point and that sweet little ending, I leave you. Thank you for listening. Always a pleasure to have an audience. I'm sure this isn't what you expected, nor what you wanted to hear um, this optimistic day of the week. But I think it's relevant, and I think someone needs to say it. Our everyday choices affect our lives today, in the future, and those of our future generations. If we are not conscious now, and actually make an effort to spend a little bit more on locally produced food, or buy some vegetables so that we're kind of healthy in 30 years, then by the time we realize, it'll be too late. And there's no way to go back. Here I impart with you a little bit of knowledge to think about. Or it's not really knowledge, it's just my thoughts and my reading and my research. Don't judge. And with that, thank you for listening. Please let me know what you would like to hear, what kind of research you would like me to do. And if not, I'm just going to keep on talking stream of consciousness. But hey, if you're listening, it means you like it. Thank you so much for your time. I hope that you have a great week and I'm sending you a lot of positive energy your way. Until next time.